Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of the PE Squad podcast. Today, we are lucky to be able to interview Brett Fuller. Brett is the president of Shape America. We're going to have an amazing conversation about our field in health and physical education. Stay tuned for the episode. Hey, Brett, how are you doing? Doing fine. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. My name's Andrew Martin, uh, the uh, PE Squad podcast. We're just waiting on Natalie and Donald to uh, join in. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. This, I hope, is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So how's uh, how's life going for you right now? Uh, you know, uh, it's hard to say. You know, family things have been going great. I mean, I, well... As good as I think can be expected, I think everybody's getting a little stir crazy. But um, but uh, family life's going well. Work life is up and down. Um, the first three weeks that we were in our role here in Milwaukee Public Schools, our our administration treated it like a snow day, so there was nothing going on. And then after that, our teachers have been scrambling, and that's my role is to try to find resources for them. So the last three weeks, I've been really putting in. I've been putting as many hours, if not more, than I normally did in average week when I was uh, not at home. So, uh, and that's actually saying a lot because there's no commute anymore, <laughs> which wasn't bad. That, but <laughs> at least the gas prices—I'm not sure what they are uh, where you're at, but down here in uh, Tennessee, I don't think I've ever seen gas as cheap as it is. Well, um, I- I'm guessing I might be a little bit older than you. So, uh, <laughs> uh, when I uh, two weeks ago, it was 98 cents a gallon uh, at wow. the Sam's Club I was at. Now it's back up to about buck fifty right now, but you know the last time it was below a buck was when I was in high school. Okay. The mid eighties, when I graduated hey, high school Natalie, in '86. So, yeah, it's I never thought I'd see gas to flow again. Hey, Natalie. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, Natalie, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Brett? Doing good. Awesome. Long time no chat. Doing good. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been, unfortunately. Well, thank you Absolutely. for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, yep. I know Don says he's going to be on in a minute. Um, I think he just had some cell connection issues because I know I didn't get the text till afternoon because my I'm actually at school right now. Oh, there he is. So perfect. All right. Alrighty, so we're going to go ahead and get started. So, well, welcome to PE Squad. It's May 11th, Monday at noon, and we've got Brett Fuller with us today. He is the president of Shape America, former past or current past president of WHPE, Wisconsin Health and Physical Education Association. Um, so, yeah, Brett, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your past with physical education and how you ended up where you are. Well, fantastic. Yeah, so again, my name is Brett Fuller. Uh, I am currently the Curriculum Specialist for Health and Physical Education for Milwaukee Public Schools. I graduated from the University of Wisconsin Whitewater in uh, 1990. And my first teaching job, I taught out in the middle of the Mojave Desert in the Silver Valley Unified School District, at, uh, teaching elementary school at two different schools. 
stayed there for about a year because I just didn't like the desert. Came back and I subbed for a while uh, near my hometown of Palmyra for uh, for oh about a year and a half, and uh, and then decided that uh, subbing just was not enough to pay the bills, and so I came to Milwaukee to be a long-term sub. Uh, in January of 93. And I've been in, in Milwaukee Public Schools since for 27 years. I was a sub for about a year. Uh, and then I landed at Marshall High School and taught there for about 13 years. And then uh, in 2007, I became uh, the curriculum specialist for health and physical education for Milwaukee Public Schools. Uh, while at Marshall High School, I taught primarily uh, physical education. I did teach a few health classes though. And then I was a, an on and off member of our state health and physical education association during my teaching career. Um, but then when I got in my role as the curriculum specialist, I realized how important uh, Wisconsin health and physical education was uh, to our uh, membership, specifically around professional learning. And the same with Shape America. At the time, at the time it was called AFERD. And uh, very similar to uh, WHP, I had been an on and off member uh, for most of my first 15 years in, uh, uh, in the profession. And then, uh, but I joined both of them right around 2007, 2008, and I've been, I've been a member since. And uh, very soon in my time with WHP, I realized how important it was to let people know that you know we have very good educators in Milwaukee Public Schools, like a lot of urban districts around the country, we a lot of times get bashed by uh, the media as not meeting the needs of our kids. And I felt one of the best ways to fight that uh, impression was to actually get involved with the leadership uh, within WHPE, and uh, and was on the board for several years, and then. Uh, decided I was going to run for president and uh, became president of WHPE. Then after that, uh, I got a phone call from Artie Kamiya uh, several years ago. I was working one afternoon at my desk in Central Services, Milwaukee Schools, and Artie calls me and asks me to run for the Shape uh, America Board of Directors. And I, 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 I kind of laugh about it now because I told him, I said, I, I literally almost fell out of my chair because that was never in my mind at the time. Uh, and then I, I ran, I didn't get the nomination. I ran a year later, got the nomination. I was fortunate enough to get elected by our peers. And I was on the board for three years. And again, I was ready to step off the board and but then started thinking more about it. And a couple of people talked to me and said that they thought I, I would make a good president. Um, and it had to be the right decision though, because part of the, my whole purpose has always been a servant leadership. I really believe that at any time that you are serving in one of those roles, you, you need to be literally doing that, serving the membership. And it's all about servant leadership. It's not about ego. And so I, uh, I talked to, had long conversations with my wife and then decided to run for uh, Shape America president, uh, to help continue the great work that I think that we've started in the last three years uh, uh, ever since uh, the new CEO came on uh, Stephanie Morse. So that's kind of the, the, the journey I've been on. Uh, it was very interesting as I, I was running for president this year and then we had the, unfortunately we had Roger Jackson who was elected president-elect last year 
stepped down for personal reasons. And uh, the board uh, appointed me to uh, fill his place. And then I was uh, I was confirmed by the membership in that runoff election, the last election. So that's the whole story. Oh, talk <laughs> about a wild journey, though, of just not necessarily <laughs> planning, not coming into Syed as like an undergrad going like, I'm going to go be president someday of our associations, but just letting it grow organically. Well, and that's kind of the thing. It's, it's interesting as you mentioned that because when I finished my my uh, undergrad work, I I was convinced that I was only going to be in public school systems for about three years. I at the time I felt that I really wanted to teach at the college level, and I have done a couple adjunct classes at the college level at this point where I've been the instructor. But I fell in love with teaching so much with the kids uh, that I ended up saying. You know, but originally I was going to, I was going to become a, get into a PE program and, and help uh, train teachers. And that's something I will probably do in the next stage of my life is look for some sort of program like that after uh, I retire from MPS. But yeah, it, it, it kind of happens, you know, and you, you, you do good work and you, you work hard and things can open up for you that you've never oh, expected. Oh, absolutely. Um... So let's see. So I guess because I know at least between you and I and our work with WHPE, you've done a lot with you've done a lot with urban education. So I, I guess can you elaborate a little bit more on some of those? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Not so much activism that you've done for urban education, but just other like educational pieces that you've done for like the greater community and everything like that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's one of those things. I'm a small town boy. I came from a town of 1,500 people uh, in uh, southeast Wisconsin, uh, Palmyra. We had uh, 700, 730 or so students in my high school. We had, uh, no, sorry, 350 in my high school, sorry, and about 70 in my graduating class. I mean, real small town. Uh, but again, at the time, back in uh, the early nineties, there was, there was such a glut of teachers. We weren't in the middle of a teacher shortage like we are right now that it was really hard finding jobs. Even when, if you've got a good resume and, and uh, good connections, uh, which I felt I did at the time. And so it was really difficult finding a job. And as I said, I ended up going to Milwaukee, not because I wanted to be an urban educator. Uh, I went to Milwaukee because I needed the job $50 a day back, uh, back in you know, the early 90s was not enough to make a living. And as a sub in Milwaukee at the time, you could make a living because uh, uh, after a short amount of time, I was making $120 a day plus benefits after one semester. So there was, there, there was true, truly a better opportunity for me in the urban setting to get a job. And uh, I got hired as a full-time teacher you know, about uh, 14 months later uh, when there was, was an opening. So again, it was one of those things I'd never expected to be an urban educator, but now I've been in Milwaukee Public Schools for 27 years and I've had an incredible career. It has been incredibly difficult at times, uh, but it has been incredibly, incredibly rewarding. Awesome. The reality comes to is uh, the culture shock for me. Uh, uh, probably for me, the biggest culture shock when I first came to Milwaukee was uh Every school I was subbing at in my hometown or neighboring communities, I was used to uh, having the equipment just available 
But in Milwaukee public schools, everything's locked up and uh, because things could could, you know, disappear. And it was that was for me the biggest surprise. I, I came from a town where my entire life in Palmyra, our front door, we never had a front door key. It was never locked. Even when we when we went on two week vacations, uh, the door was never locked uh, to you know, living in an urban environment where this is this is the norm. So it was that was a big culture shock for me. Aside from then talking about the learning about uh, mm-hmm. equity, diversity, inclusion, and when we come to equity, diversity, inclusion, it took me a long while uh, personally to grow as a teacher, uh, and I went through many phases. Uh, for the longest time, I I tried basically putting the blinders on. I told people, it's like you know what. I don't want to know if a student was in trouble. I don't, uh, you know, with a gang, I don't want to know if a student was just in trouble. I tried treating every student uh, fairly and the same. And uh, the reality comes out that uh, what I tried doing is well-intentioned, but it's also not really a good practice with equity, diversity, inclusion. You shouldn't put those blinders on. You need to know more about your students. You need to understand where they're coming from. You need to build relationships with your students if you're actually going to win them over. And um, it was a slow realization for me that uh, uh, to gain that understanding. And so, you know, when I finished my teaching career before I took on this role uh, in 2007, I do think that I did a pretty good job at building those relationships with kids, letting them know that while I was there, what my goals and purposes were. Uh, I always started my class, for example, uh, every every time I had a new class, especially freshmen, I told them why I became a physical education teacher. And one of those things for the physical education teacher for me is like my father. My father died at, at 57 from heart disease. His father died at 57 from heart disease. And I saw how physically inactive my father was my entire life. And then I was inspired very, by a very good physical education teacher at the high, high school, Alan Camille, and I decided that was the role I was going to get into. But I tell that story to my students. I said, I'm not in here to teach you how to be great athletes. I want to teach you how to be uh, healthy and active for a lifetime. And that, that was how I started. But by starting that way, students started to get to know me a little bit because it's not just, it just can't be a one-way street. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that we do when we're doing EDI, if you're doing it well, is the realization you have to make personal connections with the kids. And again, I'm going to say this. I'm not saying I'm friends with the kids. I'm not their friend as a teacher. Uh, I, I need to be friendly. Uh, I'm not there to be their friend and be, be there to be their mentor and their coach. Uh, their facilitator in their classes, but but it, it it was really a long road there. And then when I got in this role, one of the big things that I ended up realizing is uh, while there wasn't necessarily always a teacher shortage across the entire state, Milwaukee Public Schools has a teacher shortage and always has had one in the last 13 years that I've been there. You know, we've been able to fill positions, but barely many times. And then for the last eight, nine years, it's been not even that. And so I started uh, doing a presentation on urban education at Wisconsin Health and PE. And uh, I've gotten some phenomenal physical education teachers from that. 
people came and heard what we did and they, they, they were surprised. And, and I tell them right now, we're going to tell reality. And I bring in some of my teachers and we talk about it. And here's what we run into every day. But uh, we then talk about the rewards. And I, I'm an urban educator. I'm proud of being an urban educator. And uh, I'm proud of the work that we've done. Uh, but it, it is hard work. Uh, I can honestly say that I've never been bored. I can honestly say that I've never had two days that were exactly the same, even when you're two classes exactly the same, depending on uh, your units of instruction. You think, oh, I've done, been there, done this. That never happens mm -hmm. in urban education. Uh, kids will keep on surprising you. And, uh, and I think mostly in a good way. But again, it's, it's realizing that when you're an urban educator, you're going to deal with great inequities. Um, and how then do you help students lift above those inequities? And again, I'm not saying how I'm lifting them up, how students need to lift themselves up and how they're going to address these. Because uh, we cannot come in here with an attitude that we're going to fix these kids because the kids don't need to be fixed. It's not about the kids. It's about, uh, about the social inequities that are going on in their lives and how do we support them so that they can find a way to, to, to move on and, and be successful, build that resilience that they need. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> no, I, I think that was awesome. <laughs> I have, I have a question for you. I actually have several questions sure. for you, but one of the things that really stuck out for me listening to you talk, especially uh, the past couple of minutes about, you know, urban schools and social inequity. And I just really feel like, uh, feel like you were talking to me a little bit just because I can really relate. Uh, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, and I teach at Shelby County Schools. So we are the, the largest school system in the state of Tennessee. And I believe we're in the top 10 uh, of the largest school systems in America. So we have um, a lot of kids. They, we have a lot of um, uh, inequity, a lot of just uh, a lot of struggles that you see. And one of the things that it's really been on my mind a lot lately. And I, I promise I'll transition into a question in here in a minute, but um, <laughs> um, with everything that's going on now with COVID-19 and eventually when we do go back to school and everyone, everyone knows that every sector of education will look different. And that includes physical education. Do you think that when we go back, it's a, more of an opportunity for us to focus more in on the the social and emotional aspect of physical education because maybe we have to take a small step back in terms of some of the physical parts for a little while do you think that would be like an opportunity for us to expand on that part of the curriculum uh i actually think that we shouldn't be waiting till next year to do that As a matter of fact that's been the focus uh since we came back uh as I had mentioned, uh, the responses, uh, or maybe I didn't say this, the responses to how school districts have addressed the schools being out have all been different. It's, that's been really a fascinating thing for me, looking and talking with people all over the country about how their schools are dealing with it. Milwaukee Public Schools, the first three weeks, they treated it like a snow day. Right. Teachers didn't have to teach. Students didn't have to do anything for the first three weeks. And then they, when they found out and realized, oh, we're not coming back at all this year, then teachers were told, okay, now you have to provide curriculum. And how was it handled for physical education? Uh, and this has been fairly, I think, consistent across the country. 
everybody started saying, okay, let's give kids physical activities to do. And that's fantastic, but that's not physical education, that's physical activity. And so what we've done for this spring is we focused each week with a theme for the week based on our national standards. Uh, But the the first week that we were back, I told the teachers, first off, number one, I had teachers saying, oh, we're going to, we're telling our kids they need to be physically active one day a week because that's how often we had PE in, in my particular school. Because our, our, our district, we've got a huge variety of the amounts. It's inequitable in our district for how much PE our students get at the K through eight level. Some schools will get it one day a week. Some will get it five days a week. It really is a, a school level decision. Very frustrating on my part. But so I said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to sh- provide resources and explanation to students and families that students should be physically active for 60 minutes a day every day of the week but then the physical education assignment that we had to deal with students explaining the benefits of physical activity and learning about the benefits of physical activity uh, instead of just being physically active and i've had a, f- a few teachers who are saying well i'm, I'm going to have students do some skills and I'm going to video have them videotape the skills and then send it to me and I'm going to grade them. And I said, that's wonderful, but I don't think that's what we should focus on. Our kids need to know why they should be physically active right now when they've got all the opportunity to be sitting in front of a computer all day long, period. Literally, they'll you know, kids at school, doing schoolwork on a computer and then playing games on the computer. So, you know, we're missing an opportunity there. And then I, I agree uh, to a, to a point, um, I'm more optimistic. I think that there will be changes for our profession, and I think they're going to be positive. Uh, and I'll get to that in a second. But I also think that we are going to be. It, it won't take as long to get back to normal because I, I, I'm, I'm more optimistic that things are going to get better. I'm a little bit also cynical that I think that people are going to are going to get tired of the changes and want to go back to the way things were. So I think it's going to be a combination of both. There will be there will be people who will try doing classes the same as usual next year. And I just literally talked with our people who manage our student management system uh, and have all the standards that we usually focus on in our gradebook system. And I'm going to, I just told them I need to change all of them for next year because I want to focus more on these non-standards one or standards two. Uh, uh, grade level outcomes. We need to do more focus on that. So I, I agree with you uh, to a point that this this is an opportunity for us to really help redefine physical education, to focus on, you know, honestly, in my opinion, what's, what's the point of physical education? It's to prepare students to be physically active and healthy for a lifetime. Absolutely. It's just that simple. And if all we do is teach them skills, but don't talk, teach them why and how the social aspects, uh, then we're missing the boat. And I think that this is our chance to kind of reframe, I think. Well, I think your positivity is, is refreshing because, you know, I think everyone in, in our profession just wants to hear something positive you know, and you can jump on the Internet just like any any topic or anything. And the Internet is a blessing, but it's also a curse. You can find positive news, but more times than not, you come across negative news. So I know that uh, the positivity that you just talked about is something that a lot of you know, the people in our profession could definitely hear and need to hear for sure. Well, thank you. Well, it's, it's part about also, I think, uh, as you know, being an urban educator, 
we got to look at the positive. Let's find out what's what's uh, what's moving forward. You know, because uh, if we keep on focusing on the negative, it'll beat you down. Yeah. <laughs> I cried that whole first week. <laughs> I had no idea what I signed up for. I just cried every single night. You did. You did. I tried warning you. Everyone did. Everyone tried to like, all right, give me a heads up. Even my coworker at the time, there was me and one other teacher, uh, Mike Kubis, and he tried to give me a heads up. And I remember that first day I came in, like I came in the Friday before I started teaching to kind of get a tour and get a feel. And he looked at me like dead in the face and so serious he's like if you can make it to the end of the school year i'll write you the best letter of recommendation you've ever gotten i kind of looked at him funny i was like what are you talking about like i can make it to the end of the school year like it's not that hard for <laughs> pride but it got a lot better after that too like I, once i was able to build those relationships with the kids like i mean it was phenomenal just how much they changed and how much i changed because there was a lot for me personally like I grew up in Schaumburg, Illinois. I graduated with a class of like 6.30. I was used to a bigger setting, but we were all fairly well off. And then so to be at Washington, I mean, at least at the time, from a disciplinary standpoint, it was one of the worst schools in the district. And to be around these kids, I had so many personal biases I needed to get over so fast just because it was a realization that these are kids regardless of their background, regardless of what they've done or who they've been around. It didn't matter if they belonged to a gang, if they were dealing drugs, they were knocked up, whatever. These were still kids and these kids still deserved an education. And then they deserved me to be a teacher, not there to judge them. And that, that first week was rough because it was just a lot of personal things I just needed to let go of. And I needed to learn to give them a fresh start, which I mean, talk about a real education that first week, like I kid you not, I think I learned more about classroom management, behavior management strategies, just I hit, you hit the ground running, like you had no choice, but it was awesome. There is no, yeah, there's no better preparation for, for teaching than, you know, just getting, getting your feet wet. I think I learned more my first month of teaching out of college and I did it in any part of my oh, yeah. undergrad. And that's the one thing too, like we, like I talk to some undergraduate kids when I do stuff with Whippy and then same thing when like I'm part of a, we've got a program here that we call Link Crew and we teach the upperclassmen to lead the freshmen through some activities and they'll talk about like, well, what do you do with this? And like, and the kids are acting like that. And I'm like, oh man, like that's the one thing they haven't even figured out how to teach us going into the teaching profession of how to do that well. Like you just, you, you got to get in there and you got to experience it so i have a question for for y'all it seems uh uh y'all you know have have had the pleasure of meeting each other and y'all have uh very similar backgrounds for the school systems that y'all are used to teaching in or or brett that you used to teach in like for the gym setting like what's that like there i can tell y'all here in the memphis area it is very uncommon to having a gym in an elementary school. In fact, I've, I've been at the same school. I love it, uh, for seven years going on eight years now. And I've never had the gym. I I teach outside, uh, when I can't be outside, uh, up until this past year, I I taught in a hallway in front of the cafeteria. And now they, they had enough space open up to where I got a classroom. Um, and it's just the size of your general, uh, gen ed classroom. So I've, I've never had a gym. Um, before so I've always had to be real flexible and adapt things and be creative so I was curious what what y'all's urban setting was or or if it was uh, more of a traditional setting 
Well, it, it, first off, what you remind me of from my first year teaching out in uh, the Silver Valley Unified School District, I was at two different schools um, and uh, I never had a gym either. Uh, we, uh, but during my time at, uh, at uh, Silver Valley, uh, we never, it never rained either. Uh, so there were only three days that I actually w was not able to be uh, outside uh, during that year uh, because of the sandstorms that we had. Uh, they were so bad we had to be inside. So I was in a classroom setting. Uh, but in Milwaukee Public Schools, uh, again, we're, we're north, so we got snow. So uh, right. it, it's really interesting is uh, I would say that we are kind of a microcosm for the state uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but uh, I've got some elementary gymnasiums, uh, one that you cannot do a 15 meter pacer in diagonally. Wow. Okay. Um, and then I've got, uh, you know, less than a mile away, I've got uh, an elementary gymnasium that is the size of two regulation high school basketball courts. You know, so it, it is, you, you've got the whole gamut. Uh, my favorite ones uh, are the are the, uh, we got four or five of our elementary gymnasiums that are on the third floor above the library. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so think of uh, playing a basketball unit uh, above the library. <laughs> I would guess the librarian and the PE teacher are probably not friends. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got some uh, schools that have got incredible green spaces where you've got more than a football field's worth of green space for elementary for kids to, to do PE outside, and I've got some schools that uh, are landlocked so tightly that they've got a a uh, all they have is a playground that is uh, about the size of uh, that's gymnasium I was describing that you can't do the 15 meter pacer, you know. So it just you know, but luckily those schools are usually the ones associated with a uh, a uh, a club, um, and so they have access to a full size gymnasium. So it just, it really is all over the place but we all have um we all have gyms uh, of one type or another uh what is interesting though is again if you were to go to my hometown and it was you know 25 degrees and snowy outside uh you'd be outside doing recess okay uh that may not be the case in Milwaukee public schools because of the inequities some of our kids don't have the right jackets or clothes to be able to do outside recess right you know, and so principal, some principals are able to find some of those resources. So they still do the outside recess and the kids are going to get a jacket and gloves and hats and things like that. But others, nope, we're going to just stay inside and do indoor recess, which again is very limited. So it really is, it is a challenge in our district because of inequities. One of the things that to mention again, while we're only like 34th for largest school districts in the country or 38th, that number always seems to fluctuate. Uh, we got about 74,000 students right now. Uh, we have also, though, in, in Milwaukee Public Schools, we're one of the most segregated, mm -hmm. sorry, in the city of Milwaukee, we're one of the most segregated cities in the country. And people are, uh, and there's repeated uh, research to, to back that up. So it's just by how things are set up in our city, uh, where people live in our city incredibly segregated city compared and people are surprised mm -hmm. to hear that from a northern city the other thing too is we've also got uh, one of the fourth uh lowest economically uh, the most this uh, sorry uh, economic economically disadvantaged uh zip codes in the country so it is really um 
uh, American Heart Association was doing a, uh, a little chart for their local board uh, to talk about uh, and, and to share with people in the community life expectancies throughout the city. And the zip codes with the lowest uh, economic uh, factors uh, actually live, uh, living three or four years less on average than people less than a mile away in, in a better zip. You know, it, it, so it's really kind of crazy. Mm. It's tied to the schools as well, though. I mean, you look at schools you have, schools don't have. Oh, yeah. And like, I've been spoiled. I've always had a gym um, when I taught at Washington. Um, probably one of the rougher areas in Milwaukee too. We had an upper gym and a lower gym and the upper gym was on the main floor. Um, that was the nice gym where our basketball games were and everything like that. Um, the disadvantage was the amount of doors it had and just trying to monitor the flow of students because what would happen <laughs> is, is you get the kids that would skip other classes to come to gym so that way they can just hoop with their friends. And so it was one of those where when I first started there, I was just trying to get the kids all bought in on like, there are other things outside of basketball that you can do. And then, so it ended up turning into a bit of a bargaining chip where every Friday provided we had enough like daily participation in whatever unit we were in. And then Fridays were basketball days and you, I'd open up the gym, drop the hoops. You can go ahead and shoot hoops, but then their buddies would all come up and be like, Oh, you're hooping today. And it's like, no, go away. This is my class. And so trying to monitor the doors because then they let their buddies in. And so the downstairs gym, from what I remember only had one entrance and exit which was really nice from a security right, yep. standpoint, not so much from a fire safety standpoint, but it was nice. Cause you can, you can at least control the flow and you knew who was coming in and you only had one door to monitor versus I had, I think including the band of doors, it was like 16 doors, like four main sets on either side of the gym to monitor. So, and some of them were just harder to look into than others, depending on where you stood in the gym. And so from that standpoint, that was interesting. And then up here in Rapids, I've got a giant field house that I share with some of them. There's five of us that teach. So, I mean, if all five of us are running, it gets a little packed. But we've got a field house, which is a full-length high school basketball court running long ways. And then a full-length basketball court running short ways. We have an upper gym, which is a full-size basketball court. And then... We recently just added on a wrestling room slash gymnastics room as a add-on extension. And so it's huge. And I mean, we are just, from that standpoint, we are absolutely spoiled. Um, but uh, but you're also oh, forgetting yeah. all the pools. So most of, our, most of our high schools have got pools. I've actually got, uh, now we've got uh, two of our high schools have been converted to K through 12 buildings. And so they actually have pools for their students. Actually, one of them was just, uh, was just, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, decommissioned because uh, um, it cost over a million dollars to, to fix it because there's some damage to it. But uh, then we've also got an elementary school that actually was designed specifically for special needs kids. So they've got their own pool as well, a K-8 building. So again, just incredible variance of what our kids have depending on where they live in the city and where their parents mm -hmm. want to send them because they're allowed to send them anywhere in the city uh, as long as there's a room and uh, there's not a waiting list. Yeah, that's uh, that's good to have that option. We kind of have uh, something similar. We do, um, they're called optional schools and I actually teach at one of them. So we, um, by law, we have to take the, the, the students that are mm -hmm. 
uh, zone for that school. Um, but there's also an enriched academics program. So it's real weird how it's set up. It's pretty much like two schools in one building. So for the optional program, they have to test and meet a certain criteria, and then they have to do an interview, and then they're in the school, uh, and they get to stay at the school as long as their grades and behavior are at a certain point. And there's a there's a lot of those throughout the Shelby County, and uh, we just recently celebrated a victory for for the state of Tennessee. They ruled um, that a voucher program that they were trying to pass was uh, unconstitutional, and what that would have done is it would have um, given families about $7,500 of the uh, state taxpayer money, and it would have given them the option to take that money and use it to uh, go towards um, private yes, Congratulations on defeating that, because because Wisconsin, unfortunately, has not done that. We are, and I've always called, uh, in addition to uh, going to be a microcosm of the state, I call MPS the Petri dish for mm-hmm. educational reform. There's been educational reform attempted. It's been done in MPS just to try it out. And vouchers is a huge one, and it's costing us significant oh, yeah. money in Wisconsin. Yes, and it's not, and it's not, and and it's not meeting the benefits that they keep on saying it was supposed to for mm-hmm. kids. No, absolutely not. Not at all. Um, so, Brett, I guess what resources? So, I mean, we've got COVID nineteen going on right now. Um, obviously, when we get back to whatever our educational system is going to look like come fall, um, what benefits are there that Shape America offers for physical education and health teachers, like for that online learning piece? So um, I'm actually really proud of the work that we've done in Shape America. The Shape America staff has been absolutely phenomenal. They had to pivot from a lot of what they were doing to 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 be the resource that we need at this time. Uh, so if you have not gone to the Shape America website, shapeamerica.org, please go there. There is a COVID-19 resources page that basically, first off, there's some resources that Shape America has developed um, and or modified. So Health Moves Minds, uh, the, the new curriculum and then fundraising platform that, uh, that we are using in Shape America. Health Moves Minds, uh, really is a focus on social-emotional learning. And boy, this is perfect timing to actually focus on that for lessons. So many of those lessons have been modified um, and are available for teachers to download for free uh, right, up, right off of that page. But in addition to that, I would say from every place that I've seen, again, I'm not saying that I've seen everything, uh, the Shape America has put together a real nice single place for teachers to come and look for resources. So you've got resources that Shape America has developed for health and physical education. You've got resources that other teachers across the country have put together. Uh, Elementary, middle school, high school, uh, even seen some stuff for higher education. So you've got resources like this that, that that have been either Shape America staff have seen vetted and put links on our website or were sent to Shape America by people uh, and were vetted and then put on the website as being quality and standards based. And so you got all these wonderful resources developed by Shape America and developed by teachers in the field who are doing this right now and saying, hey, why, why do we have to start from scratch? I found this is working great. Go ahead and you're more than welcome to use it. So these are videos, there's lesson plans, there's all sorts of links there. 
And then on top of that, Chip Merck has also looked at the corporate world that has been putting out tons of resources, materials, and has got a link on that page as well for for people with uh, within the profession who are in part of the corporate world. You know, the Gophers, the American Heart Association, uh, Open, all those links there as well. So Shape America is going to continue to develop um, and look for resources and keep that page up and running during this crisis. Uh, again, just it's incredible uh, what we're what we've uh, been able to accomplish at Shape America, and I, I'm saying we. I'll, I'll be glad we put my name with that at this point, but it really is the staff at Shape America have been phenomenal in getting this all together. Uh, it it really kind of reminds me, and this is what my theme is for my presidency, it's uh, stronger together. Uh, I, it just came naturally. I'm just looking at how people in our community have pulled together during this time. Yes, there's lots of negativity out there, um, as you said, Andrew, but the, the reality is there's more people pulled together and said, hey, this is what's working for me. You may want to try it. Uh, then, then we pulled ourselves apart. And I think that's what we have to keep on doing at this point. You know, the, the health teachers, the elementary, the middle school, the high school physical education teachers, the adapted physical education, uh, higher education, we all have to continue pulling together and keep showing how we are united and strong for our kids. And, th and that's what we're going to keep on doing. I've, I couldn't agree more. And I think our first episode of the podcast, whenever uh, Natalie and Donald and I had uh, the privilege of meeting each other for the first time, I think that was something that we talked about a lot was, you know, just how amazing the PE and health community is. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's larger than I thought, uh, you know, <laughs> yep. the, the COVID-19 uh, epidemic has definitely opened my eyes to just how large the community is and how supportive they are. I mean, people are just giving away just amazing resources for free. And if you have a question, I mean, it's like almost instantaneously that someone's willing to help. And I'll give you a perfect example. So I'm doing a, a virtual run club uh, for my kids and it's, it's grown into this big, big deal here. And we, uh, we have about 150 kids from two or three different schools that participate. And we've got about 3,700 miles that we've earned over Gosh, I forgot how long it's been since we've been out of school. Uh, it's been like six or seven weeks now. And every time we have enough miles to get to a new state, I, I reach out to our community. I ask someone for that state if they would make a little mm -hmm. video to, to share with my kids. And it's not just one person. There's so many people that want to help. And, you know, the community is just awesome the way that we embrace each other and support each other. I agree. And, and it's it's so evident what's going on right now. And and it's going to be evident mm -hmm. when we come back in the fall. You know, there's lots of predictions, like you were saying, you know, what it's going to be different. We know it's going to be different. I'm hoping it's not going to be as drastic as what some people think it may be. Um, uh, and uh, but I think we need to stick together uh, throughout all of this, because, again, there there are people out there who are saying that, you know, uh, and I, I'm a big supporter of art, music, as well as physical education, health education. And uh, there are people saying, oh, these can be go by the wayside for the time being. And, and I'm like, you know what? No, the, we, we as a community need to make certain we're going to the legislature. We need to go to our school boards. We need to go, most importantly, mm -hmm. to the parents and let them know, right. hey, you need to speak up because otherwise um, all of this great support is going to go away. And uh, again, I'm, I'm not a doomsayer. I think that I think we've got a bright future. 
I think that this could be a really great opportunity for us to reframe. Uh, but to do that, we have to continue to work together. And right now, I don't see that slowing down from what I'm hearing. It's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things, too. And then, um, you know, it's easy to get scared into, you know, what the future holds. But then, you you know the support that our profession has, you know, whether it's Shape America or, you know, the APRD organizations for each state, uh, the CDC putting out uh, notifications and guidelines and the universities. Uh, I just, I've talked with, you know, the local university here from Memphis and, you know, we've shared ideas and, you know, it just, it's something that you don't see going away without a fight. And I don't see it coming to having to have a fight about it. You know, I think, people's eyes have definitely been opened up and I think you know what we've always known that's oh yeah and I mean and you're seeing a strong push too now with even adults turning to what we'd call the specials like they're they're trying to find ways to be physically active because they're cooped up in the house and they're trying to increase their levels of dopamine we're turning to the arts just for that outside stimulus and I mean how many different production companies have been releasing like free musicals to stream online or how many rock bands are giving free YouTube performances now, or how many museums are opening up their virtual doors and not charging anything for like free and virtual field trips for people. And it's, and it's such a critical part of our humanity. And yet sometimes it seems to just be glossed over because there's this perception that there's a lack of curricular intent or objective to the stands. But, oh, yeah, we are just finding out so much about, like, how important all these little pieces are to the overall education of the child, which is just so awesome to see. Absolutely. Uh, I guess, Brett, do you have anything that you'd want to share with us or anything that, like, anyone else has asked you in any other podcasts that you think would be important for our listeners to hear or that you want to share? Well, no, I think that, uh, you know, I think I said it with the, the, the resource available from Shape America. Please look to Shape America for resources. If you haven't checked it out, go to shapeamerica.org. Brett, are you there? Can you hear me? Andrew, can you hear us? Okay. I can hear Brett. I don't know if yeah, you can, I can hear, hear him. You. Okay. Uh, I can't. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Oh, I hear you now. I hear you. <laughs> okay. So, again, uh, as I was saying, I think that uh, I said it earlier. Uh, please check out shapeamerica.org for the resources that are available to you. Uh, I'm going to just—I'll make a pitch. Uh, if you're not a member, the resources are available to you for free. This is obviously maybe not be the time to become a member, but knowing that they're there, uh, Shape America does more than just those resources. Shape America, well, uh, at at the national level, actually talking to the right people. They're working with people in Congress. They're working with the CDC to be able to provide some recommendations and guidance. So we are there in the fight. This does take though support. So please, if, if at some point in the future, if you're not currently a Shape America member, but when you can, you should consider becoming one because this is really important for our future, having a national organization like Shape America. And I gotta say the same thing at the state level. Uh, our state level associations are gonna struggle because of this. Uh, and so, just like Shape America is, so please, if you're not a member, please consider. It's an incredible group of people to meet and learn and connect with. Uh, I love going to our conventions when we are able to have them because mm-hmm. it recharges my batteries. So please don't forget about our state and national associations. Uh, they're there for you, uh, but they, but we should support them as well. And so uh, 
consider being a me- uh, being a member in the future if you can't afford to do so right now. But but uh, even if you can't afford to be a member at this time, uh, please go. The resources are there to to help you because the whole purpose is to help teachers get better. Uh, so uh, especially if we're doing these this this distance learning, we need to be able to uh, support our students and our teachers need to have the, dual, the tools to be able to do that. So thank you very much for having me on, on thank this you. podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, Brett, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining uh, the PE Squad podcast and uh, Natalie and I are, are so grateful. And I know Donald uh, would be grateful too. He was having some uh, audio challenges. No problem, no problem. And I look forward to doing this again if you guys ever Absolutely. have any Absolutely, thank you questions. so much, Brett. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the PE Squad podcast. Until next time, be safe and look out for the squad.